Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 143 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Greg Wah. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, oh, light a match. And into the glacier with you. What happened to you this week in science? I have had an interesting month. I've been away for a while. I went to the International Astronomy Union General Assembly in Vienna. So that was pretty exciting for me to go and support Australian astronomy with astronomers from around the world. And Vienna. Uh, that's... Austria. So Austria. Austria, yes. So that was pretty cool. I got to sort of go listen to quite a few amazing talks about the updates in astronomy at the moment. It's all still there. Space is still a thing. It's all still happening. Uh, yeah, I talked to lots of cool astronomers and promoted Australian astronomy. It was really, really good fun. We're, still, we're going to keep going ahead with this space thing. That's right. They decided this, right. it's going to go on. It's still a we're keeping worth, space. It's still a worthwhile thing. I really enjoyed it. The fun, the funnest moment, the funnest, the, the the most fun moment for me was chatting to a few people, and then one of the astronomers came up, and as she was speaking to everyone else, I kept going, "Why? Why am I? Her voice is really familiar. I can't work who she is. Couldn't didn't recognize. I didn't know who she was. And it turned out in the end, I went, "I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm Greg. I'm just wondering who you are." He said, "Oh, I'm Dr. Pamela Gay." And I went, "Oh my goodness!" So Dr. Pamela Gay is uh, the person I've been listening to for years on the Astronomy Cast podcast. So that's why I didn't know yeah. her face. So I knew her voice. I listened to her voice on a semi-regular basis, and uh, suddenly I got, "Oh, good to meet her." So I had a little selfie. So like, "Hey, it was pretty cool." So I, it was funny that that moment you're like, why do I know this person? How do I know this person? I don't know any American astronomers. So there you go. It was a lot of fun. And did you get to go up and go, hello, fellow podcaster? Well, no, no, I didn't mention, I didn't, I didn't actually mention. No, you just went up and went, oh my God, oh, I listen to your podcast. Basically, so yeah. Well, it's one of the, you. what's really exciting is her podcast is older than ours. I mean, we have one of the oldest podcasts in existence been going for much longer than most people's podcasts but uh her astronomy cast has been going longer than ours because it definitely was listening to it before smart enough existed once again one of the reasons se2kb exists is because of astronomy cast so i was pretty excited to meet the ancestor podcast creator we were right we were on the cusp you and i we were riding the wave of, of podcast success yep until we got dumped under the wave of podcast oh, success. Right. There was a tsunami of podcasts. Of two white Hey, dudes. I saw some waves recently. Oh, did you? I went down to the Great Ocean Road, <gasps> and the surf down there is amazing. So where's the Great Ocean Road? That's on the south coast of Australia, uh-huh. between Melbourne and Adelaide. Well, there you go. And it is just mad. Like these like four or five metre waves dump. Like it's, it's yeah, it's... I I I, di- I, have, I don't think I've seen anything like it. It was super exciting. And I went to Bell's Beach where Keanu Reeves let Patrick Swayze go surfing oh for the very last time in Point Break. <laughs> yes. I was very excited about that. <laughs> That's a real place. I didn't realize that. That's an actual actual beach. Oh. Yep. There you have it. So he, and where of course spoilers, he dies or does hey, he? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, oh. Well, if you say or does he? Yeah. I guess it's not a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Although the fact that I was like, whoa, 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 until you said, or does he, is the spoiler. I, I have no, I'm sorry, I don't really care about movies that are, what, 20 years old? I, if you haven't seen it by now, no, there's no, no. 
I, no. uh, if, if I know anything about you, Gregoire, is that you care a lot about movies that are 20 years old. Well, no. Do I? Um, no, I just... Well, don't... you keep making plays about them. Oh, well, there's that. But what I mean is about spoilers, I don't really... Yeah, people go, you have to, can't spoil this. You're like, get over it. If it's over a year or two, I've lost all interest. Even a year. My God. In this day and age, oh, you're never going to see it anyway. I don't care. I don't care about spoilers. Anyway. The the other the rather interesting thing is I went to Iceland, so I got to visit Iceland. For people who don't know me, uh, yes, astronomy is a great love of mine, but I also really like geology as well. I'm really into volcanoes and glaciers and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And I got to see yeah, well, all- I can understand why rocks would be possibly even more exciting than void. Well, <laughs> well, I like rocks in space and I like rocks on the ground. And <laughs> when I was doing my masters in astronomy, I was very much into planetary astronomy as well. So I really, it was just something that really excited me to go to go to Iceland. So I went to Reykjavik and I was in Iceland for about a week, a week and a half ish. And I got to go inside a volcano, which was absolutely incredible. Three Nukagiga, which is three mm-hmm. peak mountain. And you go inside. Any virgins in there? Uh, there were no no virgins in there. No, no. Well, sorry, no. I didn't ask everyone. There was a few of us going down at the same time. I thought it would be impolite to bring it up on the 120 meter lowering of the carriage into the volcano. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to kill the tribe on the island. Well, what? Were well, you supposed to throw virgins into a volcano to stop it from like killing everyone in the village? Well, I, maybe the Icelanders or the Icelanders had already done that because. It was a pretty quiet volcano. Oh, there you go. Every time I talk about it, people think it was like rushing lava going past or magma. It wasn't. It was. It's a. It's an old caldera, so it's about forty thousand years. It's been sitting there. But what was really interesting about it is most of the time when you go to these things, well, in fact, you can't go to anything like this because anyone in the world. But because the calderas have a habit of when they're collapsing, so the whole thing collapses in on itself, or the wall falls out. So this is the only one where you go through a small hole on the top and you're lowered 120 meters to the into the ground, and you're standing inside this massive chamber that used to be full of of boiling hot magma and all the minerals that have been leached out of the rocks. And then back when it was still active, a hole can, opened. Can I can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, of, of, of semantics. Yes. Boiling hot water is 100 degrees. Yes. But is boiling hot magma at water's boiling point? No. Or is it boiling, boiling is a, point of rock? Yeah, boiling is a is transition from from liquid to gas. Yeah, but boiling hot. So that that's a temperature that changes depending on your medium. Yeah, it does, yes. Yeah. yeah. So hmm. anything if you have if you boil lead into like so on Venus, lead is it's like it would be a liquid because it'd be six hundred degrees Celsius, and therefore would be a liquid. So we call that melting. It melts when it goes from a solid phase to a liquid mm. phase. So it, it melts at whatever it is, um, three, four, five hundred degrees. I don't actually remember. And then when it starts to boil, turns into its gaseous phase. That's that's its temperature. The next temperature up. So it's tra- uh, phase transition from one type, one state of matter to another. I, I understand this element, but if I had, say, like a bowl of gallium mm. and I said, look out, that gallium's boiling hot, mm. then, well, that would only be like, oh, no, hang on. It melts, it melts, it, it melts in your hand. I say, oh, careful, that nitrogen's boiling hot. Yeah. It boils at like negative 30 degrees or something. Crazy, or even nitrogen boils about negative 180. Oh, walk of shame. Something like that. Yeah, it's pretty cold. But it's so still- it's, it's not boiling hot. It's boiling. It's just boiling. Yes. So what's boiling hot? Is that when your nitrogen gets up to 100 degrees and it can scald you? Well, I, I, I don't know. You will, it's, because lava, mm. like rock that was 200 degrees, you wouldn't want to touch that because if you touched it, you'd start boiling. 
Well, yeah, at least burning, yes. Yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a, on a semantic I rabbit think it, hole because we're mixing we're mixing two we're mixing common day ideas and what boiling is. We use water, and then but the actual scientific thing of boiling is not. You just say it's boiling. Now, was the was technically the magma boiling? No, because it, it was still it was in liquid phase. It wasn't transitioning into a gaseous phase. So it was it would it had melted from solid to liquid. And it was hot because it was rock. It was it was basalt basically. It, so it's it was it was a molten rock. To be to be technically correct, the best kind of correct. It was red hot. It was red hot and even white yep. hot in some parts, but Ooh. but probably not boiling. But anyway, I didn't see that. It wasn't there. <laughs> it was it wasn't in that in the room where I was. It was just a it was a, a an empty chamber of rocks because the the magma. Had oh, actually- you love you love empty. You're all about voids. Voids, voids and rocks. Yeah. It was the perfect thing in the world for me. So I got to basically see this side, this massive caldera, and it was really, really amazing. We've got a video up on the Facebook, the STKB Facebook, which I talk about in there, which is actually kind of fun to watch. I also saw my second geysers, which is kind of cool, in the place called Geyser or Giza. And that's where that's what they're named after is the is the Icelandic steam coming out of the ground and, and bubbling water and that sort of stuff. I am gonna be honest. It's not as impressive as Yellowstone. Yellowstone was just endless, amazing craziness everywhere you went. Something new and interesting. The one, yep. the one in Iceland. This, I mean, Iceland is one big volcano, vents all over the place, and madness going on. So that when we went to Giza, I was like, "Well, Giza." I went, "Ah, oh, it's it's fine. It's fine. And it shoots up in the air really high. It's impressive." But I, I kind of went, "Ah, oh, you know, Yellowstone has it all over Iceland." You're becoming I'm jaded. I, I've seen the better one first, but now there's only I, now there's only New Zealand to see, and I've seen all three points on the Earth where the inside of the Earth desperately tries to come out of the Earth at all times. So I'm intrigued now what the New Zealand one's going to look like. Have I built my expectations? Have I seen the best one already, Yellowstone? And now I'm just going to seeing the other ones which aren't as good. I'm worried. I'm very worried. If you're a New Zealander, contact me and tell me. I got to see a um, glacier, which is pretty amazing. So, oh, well, they're rare now. Yeah, they are. Lang- Lang- <laughs> you don't see many of them. Uh, they, uh, but also I got to go inside one. So they've actually dug a hole into the glacier. So you go 40 metres down and hundreds of metres into the glacier and see the, the blue ice of the glacier. And I didn't know that glacial ice is a type of ice where the pressure, so it's, you know, the snow falls and snow falls and snow falls on the surface. Yep. And it all gets compacted and turns into ice. Yep. And after a while, the pressure builds up so high that it pushes all the air out of the ice. Oh, so it would sort of go clear. It's a clear blue, yes. Ooh. So it's a beautiful clear blue. and that's So how far ice. down were you? Uh, we were about 40 metres down. And so was it pitch black? Well, yes, but it had lights in there, LEDs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so there was no light getting through. Oh, no, the, no, 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 no light okay. whatsoever. There were fissures in the rock, so natural fissures in the rock that, in the rocks are in the ice, where the glacier was climbing over a rock and continue going, which cracks the ice and makes these massive fissures, which you can sort of stand and sort of just see the water pouring down. It's pretty amazing. Highly recommend cool. going into a glacier, not just on a glacier. Highly recommend it. The Iceland is just a crazy, amazing place. There are hot springs you can go swim in there uh there's a uh, all sorts of moon-like landscapes of sharp pointy rocks to go stare at and try and work out how the hell they got there it was pretty impressive i really liked iceland the part of iceland it also- sounds really cool we were going to go to iceland yep. we booked the flights to europe and we're like we just need the flights over to iceland and then we looked at the price of the flights to iceland and like the car hire and went 
We've never been to Scotland. Let's go to Scotland. <laughs> Iceland is very expensive. Everyone says that, but when I got went there, I went, oh, it's really expensive. But it's so worth it. Really, really worth it. You can, from Reykjavik, from the main city, you can kind of do day trips out of there, or you can like do what we did and get in a car and drive all over the place. So you can see a lot of things in Iceland. It's not that big a place. I did laugh, though. When we got there, and I was picking up the, the hire car, and the guy was like, oh, so where are you going? And I went, oh, we're, we're just going to circumnavigate Iceland. And he just looked at me, this young man, Icelandic man, looked at me and was like, oh, oh, and how much time? I said, oh, probably a week and a bit. And he went, oh, it's it's not like us. We're not a small country. It's a big area to travel. And I just <laughs> smiled at him and went, really? How? He's, oh, you can't. I guess, you know, it's not like a theme park. You see, it's not a theme park. You can't just see things. It really is a big theme park. Like, you just yeah. stop and it's exactly what he said it wasn't. And I went, oh, I live in Australia. We know about driving big distances. It's all right. And he was like, oh, it's you'll never make it around. He, you, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's, I don't know. But it's a funny thing when Europeans have about our country is really large. You get, oh, bless. You're so funny with your little tiny baby country with the thought. Oh, look at it. It's all, it's 600 kilometers across. It's, it's so, so cute. weird what you get used to. Like, or what you, when you're born to something, you think it's normal. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. So it's a five, a four hour drive. Oh, I'll do that in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in, in other countries, they're like, what, why, what? Your four hour drive? <laughs> I, I guess you got caught in traffic for three hours. Oh, there's no traffic. There's no. There's, there, you might hit a kangaroo. I drove up to uh, from Perth in Western Australia, where I live, to a small country town called Mount Magnet for work. When I came back, and that's a seven and a half hour drive uh, down in through the desert. And I was trying to explain to my brother-in-law, who's Scottish, I went, "That's the distance from one end of the UK to the other end of the UK. I'm going to drive that in a day, no problems whatsoever." And he was just like. No, what? And I showed him on the map. This is your country. This is, it would fit in the space between this, this little country town and the city I live in. Here's Western Australia, which is much, 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 much bigger. That's one third of Australia. Here's Australia. And he was just like, it's unending horror. I was like, yes, it is. It's the biggest, it's, it's huge. Western Australia is like one twentieth of the world or something, it's, isn't uh, it? Yeah, well, yeah, it's pretty big. It's it's not bad. Well, so the distance between you and I is one tenth around the planet on, in, on the same continent in the same country. Still too close for my yeah. Well, they, <laughs> I I got very parochial. They um, some people were saying, "What was the the largest? What's the largest island in the world?" I went, "Well, Australia, obviously, it's Australia." And people went, "No, it's Greenland." I went, it really isn't. It's Australia is so much bigger than Greenland. And they're like, <laughs> "Oh well, no." I think you'll find that Australia is not an island because it's a continent. And I went, "I think you'll find." It's both. Both. And they're like, no, 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 it's not an island. It's a continent. But no, 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 it's both. <laughs> it's, a, it's the island continent. It's the, but it's funny how people agree, the people are like, no, no, Greenland. It's like, no, 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 no. We're going to, as an Australian, we don't have much here. We have to protect the fact it's an island continent. <laughs> anyway, so I had an amazing time. Such arbitrary terms. They really are. I mean, Eurasia. Uh, the best part, I got to stand. I, I managed to finally do what I wanted to do. I stood on the Eurasian plate and with the American plate, or the North American plate, uh, the tectonic plate, and I stood on the fissure in the ground, which is where the ground is splitting and pushing apart two centimetres a year, and stood there between two massive plates in the centre of the Atlantic. It was the best. I had the best You feeling. told me before you left that you were planning on doing that and you were really excited. Yes. And I thought you were going to be like scuba diving or something. I thought so too. I was so 
fucking disappointed. <laughs> You're standing on like a a six meter bridge going, look at me. I'm on the bullshit. I was planning to, and then it was pointed out how cold it was going to be. And I was like, that's rubbish. And then someone said, you could just do it on land. It's just over there. And I went, yes, <laughs> problem <laughs> solved. So I, I ran over there and yeah, stood on the, on the fissure between them. It's a pretty amazing place. It's worth the money. Get the, if you have the money, go. If you don't have the money, get it and go. It's just amazing. The way they talk about the, um, was it the, the one in 2010, oh, I'm about to butcher, Ia Fiatla Yokel, which is probably wrong, the volcano that exploded in 2010 and stopped all flights in, in Europe. Yeah. And I found out why. It's not, uh, yeah, it's a volcano. They have one every five years. It's been about 10 years since one's big one's gone off. So they're, you know, waiting for the next big one. It's not the volcano that's the problem. It's the fact that you, it's glaciers. 11% of Iceland is covered in glaciers. And that's a big problem because when the volcano goes up... Oh, well, if it's a problem, we should get rid of those glaciers. We are working... What could we do to get rid of those glaciers? <laughs> hmm. Well, the, the fun part is when all this hot material comes up and hits the ice, it reacts with it very quickly and creates something called tough. And tough is this ash rock kind of effect and it throws it everywhere. So it's the, you have a glacier and a, a volcano underneath it and it creates that's what creates the ash clouds and all the problems. This tough ah. rock. And, and yeah, so Iceland, man, I, it's just going to keep doing that. Well, not so much as you said, not so much as time goes on. They're definitely getting smaller. We really have to think about that because that's really dumb. When I was there chatting to one of the people on one of the glaciers who work on the glaciers, he was saying, oh, you know, we, there's no army in Iceland. They don't have an army. So if you want to go and join an army like thing, they have. Ah, they shouldn't have told us that. That was their first mistake. <laughs> the. I'll just send the comedy blimp over. I'll be fine. People who it's want an to, invasion. They want oh, to do God, army. We can, altitude, altitude. <laughs> they want to do army like stuff. Uh, we'd be fine actually because we we don't use jets in the blimp, so we could just we will just be flying through the volcanic ash, no problem at all. It's going brrr, just rowing through the air. It's going to be great, perfect, nice, no problem. But anyway, he was saying how they spend a lot of time. People who like being in armies and that sort of stuff join the get tourists out of the snow kind of rescue operations. And then he said, as time goes on and the glaciers all vanish, like in 20, 30 years, they're all going to start doing more European flooding mitigation. So they're already kind of planning. The Iceland people are very much, well, we're just going to go and help the people who are flooded to death. I was like, that's very nice of you, Iceland. Well done. Smart. <laughs> it's very smart. But anyway, that was my week of science. I had an amazing will time. Will they turn it into, will they rename it from Iceland to Waterworld? <laughs> well, this is a funny thing. Iceland is not really that icy. There's a whole, you know, Greenland is icy and Iceland is greeny. So it's it's more, well, we're, we, yes, yeah, they're 11% is covered in glaciers, but that's only 11%. That means a lot of it is beautiful fields and, and rocky stuff. Very few trees, very few trees. In fact, almost none. Oh, I, things I did tell you, which aren't science-based, I went to see the Phallological Museum. So you have in Reykjavik, any idea what a Phallological Museum is a museum of? Hang on. Phallological? Phallological. Oh, well, Cox. Yes! It's got to be Cox. It's a cock museum. It's a cock museum. So it's 125 penises from mammals from around the world uh, in this museum. Dear God! (laughs) In in specimen jars. What a collection! And pictures. And you go around and there are big pictures of, like, here is a picture of a whale. And you've got, like, a picture of a diver next to it for size. But then they've got the picture of the animal's penis 
on on the on the animal itself, and you're like that dive is about to have a very interesting time. I think uh, it, it, it's it's weird picture. It's a very weird thing. Uh, highly recommend going to the Phallological Museum. And then you you wander around and there's pictures all there's pictures of penises and there's there's actual penises in jars all also all over the place. There is the uh, animal penises. Yeah, 100, 125 different ma- mammal penises. Okay, okay. And then you go into a, a special room, and there are human penises. Oh, so two human penises uh, that were given gifted to the museum uh, by Peni. Peni, yeah, I guess. Pe- there you go. Two two penises. Peni penipodes. Yeah. Two penipodes. And uh, is, it, is it Latin or Greek? I, I guess two penises are generally Greek. Yes, I, and, and, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm no idea. Because yeah, the Greeks were all about that. <laughs> I guess they were. And I uh, highly recommend the Phallological Museum. It was the best. Uh, just it's just what walking around giggling like a small schoolboy, which is. And, and I was like, oh, I'm so immature. Everyone does it. I, I, you, yeah. you, everyone's in there all over the world. Everyone's like, like, yay! It's not just me. Uh, uh, I that- went to MoMA in Tasmania. Oh yes, yes. And they've got the they've got the a display of like 120 plaster casts of different women's uh, vaginas. Yes. And everyone's just walking along there, and they're like, mm, technically, mm, art. technically mm, vulvas. Art, I think. Yes. Good point. Good yep. point. They're not like putting a whole bunch of plaster of Paris all the way up there and getting something that looks like a dong. Yeah, that's it's right. just the yep. just the just the front of the shop. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. <laughs> The front of the shop. And everyone's sort of walking down, they're going, mmm, art, mmm, mmm, provocative, mmm, art. But of course, everyone inside is like, oh my god, it's we. <laughs> Humans are like that. I also, the other one I had to go to, I just love the fact of travel. I went on a, like a ghost tour, history tour, walking around Reykjavik. It was really great. Highly recommend those things as well. But the lady there was saying, oh, you know, by the way, there used to be witches and they talked about, you know, fairy folk and all that sort of stuff, all their, their folklore. And they talked about, yeah, witches, but witches in Iceland were mainly men, not many female witches back then before Christ, uh, Christianization, lots of men doing magic. And they took, oh, the parapatriarchy at it again. <laughs> yes. And they, they also had something called the necropants. It's like these pants that uh, you skin a friend as, when they die and you wear the pants and then you reach into the scrotum and from that day on you have endless money from the scrotum of your friend. It's, it's the best idea. So basically, Dan, I'm just, just, you know, if you see who dies first, maybe we'll just, the other one will be quite rich. I'll try to engorge my scrotum so that it's... Easy access. Thank you. That, that, that'd be very useful. <laughs> but do some exercises. Uh, I had, but we had to go a long way for this. It wasn't near Reykjavik. It's like a four-hour drive in a little place called Holmavik, tiny little fishing village, quite a long way. But it was so worth going to. Like you go on this trek to go to this crazy museum where there's nice people in a cafe and this weird museum with the necro pants. Oh, it was the best thing ever. So highly recommend Iceland. I, I will I have to shut up now, otherwise I will gush about it for hours and hours and hours. And were they good roads? Uh, most of the roads are pretty good. It depends. If you follow the main roads, it takes longer. But then if you go the back roads, it's dirt roads, but good dirt roads. Sort of soft dirt type stuff. Compacted. Yeah, not... But the trip to the Penis Museum was what you would probably describe as probably one of the longer and harder routes. Yes. Yes, I would. You'd describe it like that? Yes. Good. I'd describe it like that too. I have nothing more to add. (laughs) Uh, My week in science was not quite as international as yours. (laughs) 
Um, my mouse started playing up. Yes. Like, my Wicked Science, it literally happened at the desk I'm at right now. Right. Oh, good. My mouse started playing up, um, and when I clicked it, it would actually register two clicks. Ooh. Which is great if I was opening programs on Windows. Well, that's that's brilliant. You're getting double the value from your mouse. That's the best. No, 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 because oh. I want to click and hold in order to highlight stuff. Now you can click and hold twice. You can get twice the work done. No, uh, I can't. Oh, man. It didn't work like that. So I was registering two clicks at once, and I did. And it was quite an expensive mouse. Like I didn't really want to replace it again because it's a, it's a it's a slick mouse. It's mm. like one of them gaming mouses. Ooh. It's got like twelve different buttons on it. It looks like a villain from Astro Boy. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it looked like I was going to have to replace it because you can't. I couldn't work with like a double auto auto double clicking mouse. Mm. But I did a search online to see whether there's anything to do to fix it. Turns out there are three things that result in a double-click issue. Mm. Number one, a broken button switch. Fair enough. Okay, this occurs in cheap mouses. The solution is to throw it in the bin and buy a better mouse. Mm -hmm. That was not my problem. My mouse is like full-on state-of-the-art Astro Boy villain. Does it have LEDs that can change colour and that good stuff? Uh, it does. Oh, it that's, does. That's, got, that's that's very sexy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's that's got serious. Little, it, you can change it from like so that it uses the battery faster, but it like registers more dots. Ooh. For like targeting people in, so you can shoot them right in the eye um, in some in, in Fortnite in players underground battle royale. Players unknown battle <laughs> Fortnite. Uh, like, you want to be cool like, with the kids? It's Fortnite now. All I do not want to be cool with the kids. Oh, okay, oh, fair enough. All right. I'm not even cool with the, with the PUBG guys. <laughs> I'm so bad at sh- just aiming. Yeah. I'm really bad. You know, you know what stuffed me? You know what stuffed me with those games is I started playing games on like flight simulators mm. where you push forward, the screen goes up and you sort of tip forward and then you pull back and you tip back. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense to me, but then Wing Commander came out, and you in the and you made the cursor go up, and it pushed. And so oh made, yeah, you can reverse like you that gra- though. It's like you go, you can reverse it, yeah, and you can do that in all sorts of games, and that's how I've always played mm. inverted control screen. But the world has moved ahead, and now when I look up and down, it's so ingrained that I just I can't go back. I can't go to the other version. Yeah. But when it comes to targeting, it's much easier to target on someone when you are, when your brain is thinking about putting a cursor over something like on a web page or yeah. any any other use. And so, <laughs> I'm playing at a disadvantage, and I've made and I played for like twelve hours on that game and made like two kills. Nice, that's pretty good. And oh, maybe four kills, but they're all but three of them. Oh, sorry, all but one of them involved me hitting someone with a car. <laughs> I'm pretty good at driving with the car. <laughs> All right. Where the, where the hell was I? First, oh, the, I'm on a... Buttons. Press, get, pressing buttons. The next one, software configuration error. Sometimes the Windows drivers accidentally install twice. So you've got the drivers running... Weird. ...twice at the same time, and so they listen to the mouse click, and both of them go, yep, mouse got clicked, uh-huh. and they send two clicks. Right. I'm on a Mac. So that's not the problem. That's right, yep. Okay. Max is smart. You plug it in and it goes, yep, it's there. None of this installing drivers malarkey. <laughs> right. The final one, electrostatic charge. Ooh. The internals of the wireless mouse have no way to ground themselves. 
if it's dry, the static builds up in there and can, and it sends a double pulse. <laughs> okay, I can't touch the internals. If you want to ground something, you just touch it and mm. it t- grounds through you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to, if you want to ground something with a lot of voltage going through, to- <laughs> it, it'll go straight through you. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't, we're not we're not giving so, advice. Just walk up and touch things to ground them. By yeah. the way, like we're just talking about static here. Like don't don't just go. Yeah. I need to ground this electric light bulb. That'd be yeah. very very bad. You're not Thor. <laughs> Well, you would be afterwards. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, yeah, I get yeah. it. I guess uh, Thor would make one hell of an electrician. Like, well, he wouldn't have to turn the power off. Maybe, but maybe though, if he just lost his... He might be a very bad one, because he'd be like, I'll just fix your your RAM now. Oh, damn it. Oh, Ooh, no, he'd be a terrible computer technician, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've killed your computer, I'm sorry. I'm, I have to go now, Bifrost Bridge, your house is destroyed. He's the worst. <laughs> Oh, the, uh, the ram won't uh, the ram won't quite go into the socket. I'll just use a little bit more force. I'll just grab my hammer and tap, 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 tap. By the way, I'm Earth's, Earth's mightiest computer repair man. Ah! But I, I can't touch the internals to ground it. So what I could do, I could breathe into it to up the humidity nice. inside the mouse. Yes. Although moisture and electronics, not usually the best of things. <laughs> or I can re- remove the batteries and then click the mouse for a minute... And the charge will slowly dissipate. <laughs> Good times. Okay. I tried it out mm-hmm. and it worked gangbusters. Oh, nice. I haven't had a problem since. So it's a solution. Well, congratulations on saving your gaming mouse. It's very lovely. I love it. We're going to treat our technology with respect. It's- now all I need to do is figure out how to get the electricity back into my pet mouse. Poor little guy. But he'll live again. He'll live again. (laughs) Our bathroom has been smelling recently. Like the room with the toilet. Yep. And it's not a normal fart smell. Oh. Like it's a sewage smell. Ooh. The toilet is, by necessity, connected to the sewage system. That's Hopefully. Unless you have some sort of composting toilety thing. Yeah, but we don't do that. Okay. The the environment's big enough to look after itself. We don't have to care for the environment. (laughs) Where you live, wherever that might be, now we know has sewage. Excellent, connected to sewage. Yeah, that's that's the missing piece of the puzzle. (laughs) We don't want the gas from the sewage system coming back up into the house. So there's an ingenious device to solve this problem. It's called the U-Bend. I thought the U-Bend was meant to stop like frogs and things getting in, snakes, spiders. Well. I mean, frogs can swim and so can snakes. Oh, okay. So it's a stop. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But even rats Just can go around the U-Bend. A, oh, there you go. We'll go around the U-Bend, although they're a little bit less likely to, I think. Yeah. But that's how rats can get into your house. <laughs> Up the toilet. Nice. Up the toilet. But well, the, the main u- use for it is it blocks the gas. Oh, okay. Okay. So that means that there's basically a block of water in the bottom of the U. Mm-hmm. So the gas can, can't travel from one side to the other. And it self-regulates. It's very clever. Okay, so if that water wasn't there, the bathroom would smell awful. And this can be the case in some in bathrooms if they aren't used very often. The water evaporates. Ooh. Which made me wonder if there was something you could put on the water to slow the evaporation. Oil. Oil sits on top of water. <laughs> yes. Just pour a bunch of oil into yeah. your guest toilet and the water won't evaporate, at least from that end of the U-Bend. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my guess. 
Okay, sensible. So, smart enough, no better, says pour oil into the toilet. Don't do that. We put terrible things down the toilet. Yeah, I know they have lardberg, uh, lard, yeah, uh, no, fatbergs in, in the sewage system nowadays. Yep, because of the oil. Is that the, yes, all the, yeah. Because we, we put kitchen oil down the sink. Uh, yeah, and I think it's also because people, isn't it also fatty diets and that sort of stuff? Oh, yeah, because we got fat coming out of us. Yeah, yeah. We, we all eat way too much yeah, animal no fat. Good. Well, not we. You. You filthy animals. All you filthy animals eat way too much animal fat. True. Just, just pointing it out. Yeah. Sorry, could you could you speak? Can you get a little bit closer to the mic? Because it's hard to hear for you from all the way up there on that high horse. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Also, you're probably a bit feeble from not having a proper diet. That's true. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I, mm, yeah. Mm. Uh. <laughs> But where were we? Flushing stuff down the toilet. Yes, yeah, oil, putting oil, and how, why vegetarians yes. are better than or you. Or WD-40, apparently. Oh, okay. Oh, there Works you. really well. That's a great because band. Or, if there's, if there's not much oil... baby tonight, be my baby. Be my... Is that not, that's not even right. That's not even UB-40, is it? I, that's, to, that's someone else. I totally stuffed that up. Oh, man. No, I think that's right. Oh, I got the joke anyway. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. It's a good topical you, reference from 30 years ago. You got it over the line. <laughs> yes, only supposed to put stuff that starts with a P down the toilet. Like pencils. No. Plutonium. No. Penguins. No. Uh, it's poop, pee, uh, paper, and prophylactics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if I can smell sewage. That's not a real thing, is it? If I can. No. No. If I can smell sewage, that means something has failed. Perhaps I have a leak. Uh-huh. Okay. But if that were... Oh, that's a good, good toilet joke. Thank you. Okay. If that were the case, you would think it would get worse <laughs> in the summer. But bacteria-ridden water will actually often be worse in the winter. Oh, okay. I used to have a job doing an eco-science job out on a bauxite tailings dam mm. at an aluminium mine. Uh, no, an aluminium refinery. Mm. So to make an aluminium can... You get like a ton of bauxite ore and you stick it in the ore. Or what? Op- <laughs> or, okay, stop. <laughs> You've had your pun quota for the day. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'll be good. Okay, well, you won't, good. but at, at least... Uh, yeah. No one believes your lies. <laughs> the lying lies. So you get the bauxite ore. It's like a ton of that. You stick it in. You hit it with like acid and flames and <laughs> guilt. And at the other end, you get like enough aluminium for like two aluminium cans. Right. Yeah. And then all the rest of the stuff, you, you need to get rid of it. So you just flush it into the bauxite tailings dam. You throw it back and in the environment up- where it will never hurt anyone again. Yep. Yep. And so this bauxite tailings dam, it's like, Filled with like this slush, really fine, muddy slush. Oh, good. That that is somewhat acidic. Mm. <laughs> like, don't go swimming in there. Yeah, right. What happens is it's actually quite a fertile ground at the bottom of the lake for bacteria. Ooh. They love it down there, and so they eat up all the stuff at the bottom. And in the summer, the top of the water is quite warm because it's. North Queensland, mm-hmm. and the bottom, it's quite cold, but there's bacteria down there chewing away. Then the winter comes, and the top of the water gets very cold. 
but down the bottom of the lake, the bacteria is still chewing away and making their own heat. Ooh. Because they take the food and they turn it into heat. And so the bottom of the water gets hot and the top of the water gets cold and it does what they call turning over. So all the warmer water at the bottom comes to the top and all the cold water goes to the bottom and the warm, warmer water at the bottom with this bacteria smells uh, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just comes up into the atmosphere and gets caught by the wind and stinks out the communities. So my job was to boat around on the top of this thing <laughs> in a barge filled with hydrochloric acid. Oh. Or, or was it sulfuric acid? It was one of the good acids. Mm, mm. And then... and then None of this formic, formic rubbish. We're talking and basically about. drop a hose on the end of, a, of an anchor down to the bottom and pump <laughs> acid into the bacteria right. that killed all the bacteria so that it wasn't going to cause the heat and turnover in the winter. Good. Okay. That sounds very environmentally friendly. It was the best I could do. <laughs> like I was... You were young, you needed the money. Yep, I needed the acid. <laughs> um, where am I? Oh, yes. Now, I don't notice this smell in the summer. Mm -hmm. I only notice it in the winter. And only in the morning and only in the toilet room. Mm. Now, the water in the toilet doesn't extend all the way down to the sewage. It's just like a small water plug at the bottom of the U. So it's not like that water is turning over. Mm. Like if there's bacteria growing at the bottom of the U, we're in some real trouble. Yeah. <laughs> or it's really obvious where that smell's coming from. Yeah. Okay. Could it be but something gas... growing on the on the insides of the U, like some sort of life form that sort of anchored itself in there because it's all nice and warm and dark and it's like, and just sits there eating the nutrients as they come through? Maybe, but, I mean, they're PVC pipes. Yeah. So, like, and it's it's constant rushing water, rinsing yeah, true. So, yeah. Okay. You still have to clean it, though. Otherwise, it suddenly greens up and starts creeping around the U-bend towards the, towards the bowl, I've noticed. Oh, oh I've yeah, yeah. You've got to get that, 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 little, that brush down next to the toilet. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a functional brush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does something. It's not just there yeah, for show. Yeah, so you've got, to, you've got to scrub at the toilet, and then you throw it out and get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> You'd never reuse something like that, would you? Ugh. Okay. Don't brush your teeth with it. So the gas behind that plug is the stinky stuff. What if, what if the pressure built up and then a bubble of it came through the toilet, mm. just like a CO2 bubble blooping through my beer brewing kit? Mm -hmm. Is that possible? Yes. Okay. And that's Ooh. why plumbers build a vent. You may notice it in old homes. There's like a chimney on the outside wall above the toilet. Oh, uh, yes. Or in newer yeah. homes, it can be a little white vent near the ground. Mm -hmm. So that vent equalizes the pressure so you don't get like a buildup of pressure inside the sewer line. Uh-huh. So and and it's I guess it's built up high like a chimney so that the smell isn't yes at, in at your nose house. level. <laughs> yeah. If the pressure on the outside of the house is the same or higher than the inside, mm -hmm. we should be laughing. Mm. On a winter night, inside the house should be warmer than outside. Mm -hmm. So the if there was any pressure, it would be inside the house forcing air outside the house. Because mm, it's expanding. It's the hot air expands. Yeah. And if for some reason like it was too high pressure, it might bloop out through the toilet. Mm -hmm. My toilet is not well ventilated. It's in a quite small room. There is an hour in the morning when the sun comes up and the air outside is warmer than the air inside the house. Could it be possible for a bubble to come through and stink up the joint to equalise the pressure? <laughs> That's my best theory. Oh, okay. It's a good theory. You have to ask a plumber. I thought so. 
Oh, I should ask a plumber. Ask a plumber. That's, that, that, that's a whole job. Yeah. Or I just light a match. <laughs> I just light a match. Burn the methane in the air and mm-hmm. it won't smell so bad, right? Be too low a concentration. If it's not too low a concentration, badness will happen. Oh, is it you'll blow up the toilet? Yeah, that's right, yes. Well, it turns out that burning the methane is not what you do when you light a match. Ooh, okay. Your gases, well, at most people's gases... I don't know what what functions you have inside that titanium shell of yours. (laughs) But most people's gases are made up of hydrogen sulfide, methyl mercaptan, dimethyl sulfide, and dimethyl dissulfide. Nasty, stinky gases. No no methane. Very little methane. Yeah, very little methane. Cows have a lot of methane. Mm. We don't really make methane. Okay. Now, you light the match. The sulfur in the match reacts with the oxygen in the air. Your olfactory senses are very sensitive to this smell. They go into overload and can no longer detect anything else. It masks the smell, but it doesn't destroy it. If you light a non-scented candle outside the bathroom and then leave it in the bathroom, there will be no reduction in smell. There you go. You're basically just poisoning your nose. (laughs) Don't do that. That's That's pretty... Thank you, Dan. Toilets. They're very important things. One of those unsung heroes of, of the uh, 21st century. Well, before the 21st century, but uh, mm. yeah. Of, but of, so of... many people do not have proper toilets. That's right. And when you don't have them, you're like, oh, this is awful. I can't get my waste away from me quickly. And you get parasites. Oh, I, ugh, I like if you dig if you dig a hole to have a poop in and yep. it's like three foot down. So that's a meter. 90 centimeters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about a meter. Yeah, about a meter. A foot. A foot. A foot. <laughs> Magical. I didn't do the joke. I'm getting better. Okay. <laughs> so it's about a meter down. There are like worms that live in there from the ground and they will come up through the ground and they will get into your feet and you will become anemic. Yeah, there are there are some pretty horrible things that can yeah, that can do that sort of stuff. I, so um, it has to be like a meter and a half. Yep. Six feet. <laughs> Oh, we're being so nice to our American cousins. Traveling around the world, it's funny how culturally toilets are different. I, I mean, there's obviously really obvious ones like like squat toilets where you, you know, squat over the hole and a lot of Middle Eastern countries use those. But I've also noticed that if you go to America, Americans seem to like to have what I call the poo lake. And I've never understood why on this green earth of ours would we want to have the poo lake. So you go into an American-style toilet and it has... A large bowl of water just sitting there, like a really big bowl of water ready for yeah, you. Yeah, looks and like you're there to wash your face or y- something. Y- it's ludicrous. And then you do your business in it, and it's, it's, it's so you've got little boats of poo floating around and doing its thing. And you can, you go, oh, how delightful. And then you press the button, and the whole thing rises up slowly. And you're like, oh my God, it's about to leap out and attack me. And then it all flushes away. And then the whole thing fills up with water again. And as, a, as an Australian who's lived in drought-prone countries, drought-prone areas for a long time, it freaks me out every time. Okay, why would you want that much water? You don't need it. The, the Australian ones and, and a lot of European ones have the water just down the bottom and it's a little bit of water. You have to have some water to, and then it flushes it all away anyway. I just. Oh, well, I, th- I, oh. I mean, I, I think they're updating that. I didn't see many of those type of toilets in America when oh, I was last there. Good, I did. Maybe it was just the parts of America I went to. I don't know what it was. Ludicrous. Madness. Awful. Oh, things. it was. Because um, I, I, I was in Toronto once at a backpackers and I came back a little bit sozzled. 
And I went to the bathroom and I hit that. And, I, and I'm like, gosh, this bathroom's terrible. Oh, well, I'll just I, I'll do my business. I'm a bit drunk. Press the button. And all the water came up and just spilled over the edge. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, no. And I just ran. <laughs> I ran and I hid. I was like, I, 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 now I know why the bathroom looks so terrible. The other one that gets me, I find funny, is in, in the UK uh, with bathrooms. They put the switches on the outside of the bathroom. So the, the, the light switch, and it takes me... Oh, well, that's, that, that's got to be like a halcyon place for, like, bullying older brothers. I, do, yeah. <laughs> I just... And I, once again, I always bring up, like, this is dumb. We don't need it. I, I spend... Like, you're, in the, you're, you're trying to work out where it is. Where the heck's the power switch to switch the lights on? And people go, oh, it's obviously on the outside near the door. You Put it, what you backwards country, put it inside. And, and I've been told by some people, well, elect, you get electrocuted. And you're like, come, 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 come into your bathroom. See that little, that power switch that you plug your electric razor into? That's a lot more dangerous than, than the, the light switch, for goodness sakes. But it's, and, and they have this kind of weird, you'll die, watch out, you'll die. And I was like, look, many Australians have light switches inside their bathrooms. I don't know of too many Australians who have flicked on the light switch. Yeah, and but been we don't have very much water. We've already established that there's hardly any water in Australian bathroom. These are all just cultural things that we do, which are different. They're not right or wrong. I just find it really funny. People go, but you'll die. You'll, you'll switch on the light in a bathroom and you'll instantly be incinerated by the power of Thor. <laughs> you used to rule the world, for goodness sakes, UK. Get onto the program. All right. <laughs> my rant is done. It's time for Pimp My Time. I shove you into the time machine against your will. Kicking and screaming. I'll go in there by myself. I'm fine. I manhandle you viciously into the into the box. <laughs> What's going on? I slam your fingers in the door oh, as it closes. God. Why? Why does that hurt so much? And send you to 2001 BC, Harappan in the Indus Valley. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm hurting a lot. I I spent at least 20 minutes looking up how to bandage my broken fingers back in 2001 BC. It's not going to be very good. I discover that I have to watch out because I have lots of leprosy and tuberculosis, like most of the world does nowadays. Anyway, one quarter of the world. But anyway, I'm neither here nor there. I'm sent back to Harappa. Uh, Yeah, but very low amounts of autism. Uh, no, there's no, no, there's oh, the same standard amount. amount of autism. We just people just didn't know what it was. They just just less directed at people avoiding vaccines. <laughs> Why are we going down this path? I heard this one of things. Oh which no! Was, um, I like which the, was, I like the, I like that idea, Dan. That you're just talking to me through the glass window now of the time machine. Yeah. Hey, Greg, I know you've got an hour before you get sucked <laughs> just into time. Distracting you. But let me tell you about this thing about autism. Go on, please. <laughs> Someone said, "Well, look, vaccines don't call autism, no, but they do not. Some of the, but uh, people who are in the sciences and in STEM, there's a there's a disproportionate disproportionate amount of people who are on the spectrum. So, from one point of view, vaccines don't call autism, but autism does cause vaccines." <laughs> It's very clever, Dan. Now I've got five less minutes I can be researching Harappa in the Indus Valley in 2001 BC. Sorry, don't mind me. Keep going. Keep doing it. <laughs> so you sent me to a really interesting part of the world in the Indus Valley. So people thinking about where it is, it's where Pakistan is nowadays. So sort of north uh, west of India, the Punjab. You may have heard the Punjab before. 
And it was a pretty amazing place. When I sort of zapped back there, I was wondering whether it was going to be, was I living in huts? You know, was it going to be that kind of place? Oh, no. It was a really nice area. But at that stage, about more than 20,000 people living there, which is quite large. Bronze Age community, which is pretty cool. They hadn't got to iron yet. They uh, built, they had um, set brick sizes. So they would build bricks, obviously, in large kilns and almost factory factory style. Ah, oh, that's clever. It never occurred to me that that would have had to happen at some point. Yeah, so they... Standardise your building materials and you can build faster and more effectively. That's right. And obviously build them in one space or at least build them in, in local areas where people build lots of them. You don't just build the ones for you. You build them for everyone. The people of the Harappan civilization and, and, and Harappa was the, was the name of the city as well, the big city, 23,000 people roughly uh, at that time and they were building all these bricks and they were centralised bricks. They were... Uh, very, very clever people. They were, they'd woven cotton, they dyed clothing, they had wheat crops and rice crops and all sorts of vegetables and fruits. They uh, domesticated bulls, they domesticated fowl, uh, they did all sorts of cool things. They made wheel-made pottery, they made stamps, like um, uh, wax they stamps. They made pottery on a wheel? Oh yeah, they wheel pottery, yes. So that was, that's this quite... This is 2001 BC. Yes. These are they very, had a potting wheel. That's that, amazing. They were really, really, really advanced, which always makes me very sad when I go back in these time to these places because I just go, I'll turn up and teach them. Oh, no. <laughs> <I'll>, oh, dear. <laughs> so these people were very advanced people. What's interesting is we don't know a lot about them because they, they don't exist anymore, but also their writing, which seems to be quite advanced, has never been uh, translated. We don't know. There's no connection to other writing of the area. So we don't know what they were writing, but they did write. They wrote lots of things down. We just don't know what it says, uh, which is a, All right. a bit of a problem for us. They seem to, at the state time I get there, they're, they're going to start declining probably over the next 500 years. And that's lots of different reasons. Sometimes people thought that it was because the Aryans would turn up and fight them all and murder them all and, and kick them out of their lands. But it doesn't seem to be the thought process now. The Aryans don't come. Aryans aren't Nazis, by the way. Aryans are just from... Yeah, I'm just... Yeah, I was a bit... Con- yeah. <laughs> they, they, these are, the- are we still talking, like, light skin and blonde hair? No, that was, that's, no not a, that's not thing. a thing. That's not a thing at all. It's all... That's, strangely enough, Nazis are liars. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, there's no They're connection lying? to lying? Not probably. The Nazis have been lying? Yes, I know. It's terrible. That, that Don't trust Nazis. So, the Aryans were people who lived... Wait, the- about everything? About everything. Like, about the email server and everything? The email server? What are you talking about? Yeah, the private e- email server and the whole Benghazi thing. Oh, no, don't. Oh, no. no? <laughs> I took... Wait, can we go back to the beginning? What Nazis are we talking about? We're talking, about, we're talking about the real Nazis. World War II we're talking Nazis. about the Harappan. Yeah, we're talking about... What? <laughs> we're talking about... I'm so confused. So, let's get back on track. Yes, let's get back on track. I've, so, I've taken us down a, uh, down a, down a U-bend. I think so. That's what the smell is. Good. So the Aryans were a real people, but has no connection to what the idiot Nazis thought they were back in the day. That just wasn't a thing. So these, but they were real people. And okay. the, the idea was the Aryans had come in and murdered all the Harappans, and that was the end of them. But nowadays they think that actually the Harappan civilization had already declined, and the Aryans moved south and just took over the lands. They may have been, they were a warrior people, but there's no evidence, there's no chariots, there's no weapons, there's nothing to say that they fought anyone. It just, it seems to oh, be, okay. it doesn't seem, it just, they moved in and then assimilated cleaned with the people. The, cleaned up the scraps. Yeah, well, they just, over hundreds of years, things change, I guess. We don't know. The answer is we don't really know. And here's the problem. We just, 
just don't know. There's not a lot of information about this, which puts me in a bit of a pickle about what I'm going to do there. But then I found something really interesting. I was sort of madly searching in my hour that I had and looking at all the amazing art they did and sort of looked at how they, they definitely had trade. So they definitely traded with other civilizations quite far away. Uh, they were quite a big civilization, happy to trade in the Indus Valley and outside the Indus Valley. But then I discovered this one little sentence here, and that is that they think that they were, they were wiped out either because of floods, lots of flooding, uh, but mainly due to agricultural issues, the soil erosion, topsoil erosion. So they think that over time, over thousands of years or a thousand years or so, they just depleted their soil and it became oh. harder and harder to farm. And when you can't So feed- is that because of the, the crop rotation thing? Well, they, they do, it doesn't look like they did crop rotation. It doesn't, that oh. doesn't seem to be there. But it just seems that they just overutilized their soil over time. And there was also a lot of wind erosion and maybe water erosion as well. It's a flood. And you lose your topsoil. That's it. It's 10 centimeters of, of goodness. And once you lose that, you're done. It's rocks. It's, 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 it's a bit of dirt and rocks and you're done. And that's what they think is what happened. So that's where I'm coming in from. I'm thinking I can save them by hey, saying, hey, the Aryans are going to be here in 500 years. Maybe, can, you know, look to the north a bit. But beyond that, I want to do more farming-based stuff. Okay. But this is in direct connection to one of our listeners, who Renee, who got in contact and always points out I have a habit of Cersei Lannistering my way through time. So I go back in time and blow everyone up. Or I invent a murderous device to kill everyone. You definitely invented the murderous de- device last time. Yes, to, to, to I bl- destroy all those Russians. I did. Yes, and then Kodiak I, I, Island and and uh, and chariots and all sorts of fun stuff. So I'm trying not to be the guy who always has to murder his way through time. So that's good. Oh. I'm, I'm growing as a person. Okay. What I'm going to do is with the crops. What first up? Two simple things. If it's if it's wind erosion, then you can just start putting in screening trees. So perpendicular to the, we- the the direction of the weather, the wind, you put in um, hedge. Oh, yeah. Hedges and shrubs and, uh, and trees, and you slow down the wind from racing across your crops. I saw some of this when I was down in New South Wales a, a month or two ago. It's a big like thing nowadays. Big yeah. windy hills, and they're just rows of uh, thick trees. And that just slows down the, the wind speed at ground level, which means you're not going to blow as much dirt away. So that's a good thing. The other one, if it's water erosion, then so there's like a little rivulet going through your field, divert it. Make it go somewhere else. Don't if the if the rain is going to pour down the hill and wash away your topsoil, then put in some channels so the rain goes around the outside. And you can divert it, use it for something else, capture it in big pottery containers and use it, but you don't want it going through your field because it will wash yeah. away your soil. Yeah. So divert your water. So these are very simple things. I was like, yep. Do these things and your your um, your crops will grow better or you won't destroy your crops. The other one is don't crop rotate. What? 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 <laughs> oh, God, what? <laughs> so there was I, in the past when I went back to the Stonehenge, I think you said back to Stonehenge, and I was making yep. them crop rotate. Yes, it does help. It's not a bad thing particularly, but it does. If you let land lie fallow, you start changing the microbes in the soil and that could be a bad thing the things that are living with the plants and are good for the plants they will die out if then the plants aren't there so you want to be able to keep things growing if possible but now you've got the balance between constantly growing and depleting the soil so we have a bit of a catch-22 here in the 20th century people started to get really interested in fungi and something called mycorrhiza a mycorrhiza is a type of fungus 
My Carissa. That was very good. I enjoyed that. That was fun. So this is actually a fungus that grows around the roots of plants. And it's a symbiotic relationship. So they can grow much faster than the plant roots can grow. And these little tendrils, the mycelium, can grow out from the fungus. And they can draw in water and nutrients. And it gives them to the plant. And it takes sugars from the plant. So it actually invades the roots of the plant, but it's a symbiotic relationship. And this is found in wheat. This is found in lots of different crops from around the world. And if you encourage this fungus to grow in the roots of the plants, then you are basically making it more resistant to stress, weather stress. Oh, wow. And this is a very 20th century thing that we're looking into nowadays. People may have not have known about this in the past. Uh, they might have known a little bit. I, I know people may be going, they've known about it for years, but... Really, it's only since the 1930s or so have we started looking into it scientifically. So I'm sure there's lots of old... Look, I don't know. I'm not sure. And where do you get this fungus from? It's already well, it's, in, it's already found in soil and it's already found uh, in... Wheat naturally has, sort of has it anyway. So if you grow wheat oh. from somewhere, get the soil that you have that you've grown wheat on and, mm -hmm. and transplant it in. And you may get more of this mycorrhiza in there, which will help you out. But you can't just rely on that. You've got to do something no. much more interesting. So you've got to start cultivating the mycorrhiza. And the way you cultivate mycorrhiza is you've got to get a capture plant. So you need to grow some uh, flowery plants. You need to grow – I mean, let's look up here. I just, when you say flowery plants, do you mean flowering? Or flowering plants. So you flower out of. Yeah, no, flowering wheat, plants. You make flower out of. Things like spring onions. So get a spring onion as well. So you can get flowering plants, but they said marigolds. I don't think I can get marigolds in Pakistan at this time, which put me off. But mm -hmm. they said spring onions. And I went, oh, spring onions we can do. Spring yeah. onions it, we can definitely do. Spring onions originated in the Far East, are recorded in Chinese history from 2000 BC, which is roughly when you sent me. So I'm yep. pretty confident that I can start trading along this trade routes for spring onions for people. It may take a while, but we can say, we want these spring onion things, please. We want to be able to get those and grow them. So we want like live ones in pots, please, and, and right. trade those ones. So we grow the spring onions. You get the wheat soil that you've used, which has, will have, hopefully have the, uh, the mycorrhiza in it, and you grow the spring onions. And you grow them on a, on a, a as, as big as you like to go. You cover the ground with cloth so that you can't grow weeds. It kills all the weeds. So uh, yes. you can't grow it up and you let the spring onions grow and you let them grow for quite a while and you water them and that will actually support you creates the symbiotic relationship between the spring onions and the mycorrhiza and they, they develop each other then you kill the plant you kill the spring onion you harvest it and delicious you, and that means that do you a stir fry a bit of stir fry which would be nice yes and that means you now have the fungus thinking to itself what the hell just happened to my symbiotic friend you don't water it anymore and you let it stress 10 or 14 days later, it's going to start creating spore bodies. Basically, going, oh, God, we're going to die. And it's like, put out the babies, put out the babies, put out the babies. And so it makes spore bodies. And you Escape go, pods. Sorry? Escape pods. Escape pods, that's right. That's what children are. They're escape pods for your mortality. <laughs> that's the deepest thing I've said in a while. Yeah. Evacuate, evacuate. Children are the escape pods for your mortality. We should put that on a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see whether the listener, whether it connects with the listenership. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just, I just said it. Anyway, sorry. So you have your spring onions, and then so you have the spores under the spring onions, and you have these, the basically the fruiting bodies now under the, and you go and 
capture these little nodules and you take those nodules and you can you can store them you can store them in bags and you can take them out to the fields and you place them in the ground where you're going to plant your wheat where you're going to plant your crops now you've created more uh, uh more of the fungus and yep. it will help the plants grow around it. Once you've inoculated the ground, which is what it's called, then your crops should grow a lot better. So your crops will actually grow really, really well. The final Ooh. thing you need to do, so the yep. only thing I'm going to add to this part of it is you want to be able to capture more nitrogen in the soil. So nitrogen's, nitrogen's really good. important. Very important for plants. Nowadays, we just pour nitrogen everywhere, all over plants. It's not. It's good in one way, but it's bad in the other way. It really hammers these fungi so it, you know, in oh, modern yeah day, we worked out how to make nitrogen didn't we well yes like some brilliant german scientist made night like figured out how to get nitrogen out, pluck it out of the very air and stick it into the ground That's and then right. he worked out how to gas people with mustard gas yeah but there's there's always two sides to every exciting thing <laughs> yeah now the so not, we can't do that back in 2000 bc in the punjab area so what we can do though is get clover just a nice simple clover Yep. So you grow your wheat, you grow it for a bit longer. They say grow longer than you let it lie fallow. Not yeah, let it lie, harvest it, but let it sit there for a bit longer to help the fungus. Then you cut oh, down, yeah. then you cut down the wheat, and then you grow clover. And the clover will actually suck nitrogen from the air, and then you That's till it right. back into the soil. And now you've got nitrogen enriched soil from the clover. So you are technically crop rotating, but you don't let it lie fallow. Because wind erosion will drive all your soil away. This covers the soil. It, yeah. it keeps the uh, mycorrhiza happy because it stays underground. It puts nitrogen back into the soil and is better for the environment. So that's how I would pimp my time. By it's becoming, also quite pretty. It, and it and look, yes. it'll bring you good luck if you can find one of them four-leaf ones. And do you know how you make four-leaf clover? Uh, you hit it, you bombard it with gamma rays. Well, that's, well, that's no, no, you, it's kind of the same, but it's pretty bad. Anytime you meet a, a meat, anytime you see a four-leaf clover, what you're looking at is a stressed plant. So when the plant doesn't get enough water or enough nutrients and it's freaking out that it's going to die, it says the only thing I've got is photosynthesis. So it takes one last gamble and it grows an extra leaf. It goes, ah, and it can grow an extra leaf if ah. they can grow. And basically it's a stressed clover. So four-leaf clovers are actually the unlucky ones. Yes, yes. They're very unlucky. I mean, they're not are... enjoying like a decadent three-leafed lifestyle. That's <laughs> yes, mm. So that's how I would pimp my time. I would be literally rolling in clover. Ah, nice. Thank you very much. Bravo, bravo. Congratulations on yet another tragic death avoided. And also, I'd be a really fun guy. Yeah, you would be. Oh, God damn it! it's another pun. <laughs> what did I tell you about the puns? Well, luckily, there'll be no uh, retribution against me. That's right. I'll just I... happily wander through my life without any retribution. Dan Beeston, based on nothing whatsoever, I am sending you to 999 AD, Iceland. <gasps> yeah, Iceland. ready for the big party. Iceland, Reykjavik. Oh, uh-oh. Oh, you've got a knowing gleam in your eye. God damn it, I hate it when you have a knowing gleam. <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame, Woo! the most scientific part of Smart Enough No Better, where you, the audience, contact us and tell us where we have made a mistake. We never do, though. We are amazing. 
We've been amazing since day one. Day, we've just, we just, we are, we are the best. Well, David Shaw from Scotland. Hi, David. Has content has has written in to say way back in episode one. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, uh-oh. We always said that. We don't talk about episode one. That was a... Uh, which, uh, was, uh, the, uh, which was released the 20th of June, 2010. Goodness me. So, happy birthday. Oh. Okay. You, Gregoire, stated that organic chemistry is the study of Chon. Yes. In a later episode, you said you'd received correspondence from several listeners with the correction that organic chemistry is the study of carbon chemistry. Uh-huh. Well... Unfortunately for those listeners, this is, if anything, even more wrong, <laughs> as it would mean including inorganic chemistry such materials as diamond, carbonate-based oh. rocks, <laughs> such as limestone and marble, and the highly toxic alkaline metal cyanides. Oh, no. I don't recall hearing correction of the correction. So, for the record, here's the official International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry approved and certified definition of organic chemistry. Organic chemistry is the study of those carbon compounds which contain at least one carbon-hydrogen bond. I was partially correct. The second best kind. <laughs> Thank you, David. I appreciate that. I like being yeah, partially, co- partially corrected but partially right. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, next on our Walk of Shame. Mm-hmm. Episode two. Uh, you said... <laughs> okay, Scott Driscoll contacted Hi, Scott. me. Hi, Scott. Now, if Scott knows anything, he knows about terrible films. That's true. Scott okay. is one of, our, one of our Patreon supporters. So thank you very much, Scott. Yes. So uh, Scott says that, that well, I referred to a movie recently as The Idiot's Guide to Time Travel. Mm-hmm. It's actually called Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. Uh, that's right. We did, a, we did a whole time travel episode on Wow Wonders Why. And yes, you did. We did. We we both of us were talking about a movie we'd not seen and really knew not much about. Oh, I'd seen it. Oh, right. I just blocked most of it out. Oh, I see. It was not great. <laughs> okay, number three on the Walk of Shame. Yes. Another one for you. Oh, yes. Go, go, okay. go. Okay. In episode one hundred and forty-five. Wait, aren't we only up to one hundred forty-three? We're up to one hundred forty-three. So what's the? It's from the future. Okay. Last episode. Maybe it is. Last episode. Greg mentioned that Bear Grylls put water up his bum to absorb water faster. Mm-hmm. That's not correct. Ooh. It was because the water was dirty and he was exposing himself to less risk of waterborne illness. Oh. You, Gregoire, are wrong. Oh, but, yeah, but, importantly, so is she. <laughs> Great. As mentioned last episode, you're still at risk of waterborne illness from water being absorbed down there. Mm. Your gag reflex is there to prevent you from taking that stuff in that can cause you damage. Bear Grylls states that he gives himself an upside down Z to bypass the gag reflex and to only do it as a last resort because being sick is better than dehydrating to death. That okay, oh, cool. Does it get rid of the salt? I, I can't. So I, I remember. I don't remember that episode as fully. Was he because he's putting? I thought he's putting salt water up his bum and therefore your butt only absorbs the water and not the salt. No, he was putting rainwater that ah. had been uh, infected with seagull droppings. Oh, good. Or at least that's what he said. Yes. I think he, I think he just mixed some uh, food colouring in with some bottled water. How dare you, sir? How dare because you? Because 
he could do some some real damage by putting seagull poo up his he, anus. Look, I don't know anymore, but I know Bear Grylls has done some pretty ridiculous things. So he he look he he I think he maybe yeah I, we don't know we we're not going to we slander Bear Grylls. It's the magic of television. Who knows? Yeah. You know, he's he's just trying to share knowledge in an exciting way that makes people connect. That's and right. Look, we should all be so di- diligent. It is a it is a it is a dedicated and amazing thing that people would try to make science interesting. That's true. If only you and I, Greg, <laughs> were the great sort of amazing human beings, such as Bear Grylls and David Attenborough and. <laughs> That guy with the weird haircut who used to be in a boy band. Brian Cox. That's the one? Yes. That is the end of the Walk of Shame. If you hear Greg make any mistakes about anything, please do contact Dan at smartenoughtknowbetter.org. <laughs> and invariably, when Dan makes an error just like that one, then please Swish. send it to greg at smartenough.org. That's already been pointed out. No one has to point out that I tried to use my work email. <laughs> I have brought a song. You hate music. You always say that you, people, other people's music, you hate it. Every time I bring a song, you're like, oh, no. Oh, so well, whose who's music could you possibly have brought that you would even think was worthwhile putting on this podcast? I like the sound of my own voice. And I woke up the other morning with things to do and just this dumb idea popped into my head of a rap battle between a mainframe computer, one of the original old big mainframe computers, and a desktop PC. Nice. I'm the first of my kind, but let's not be puritanical. It's not organic, thinking it's electromechanical. I got vacuum tubes and they number in the scars. I only got one core, but it covers up the flaws. Feed me numbers on a tape. I'll do the calculation and instruction on production line. Prepare for your relation. Consider Lovelace and Babbage, my ma and my pa. I'm the sum of their genius multiplied by their charms. My name is MCPC, I'm the microbees knees, I got a 12 meg hard drive and twin speed CD. No punch cards, you see the text on the TV. Check me out, just be in DIR slash B. I'm running a custom microbus, my rhymes are all autonomous. I'm spinning up my lyrics to grow and write like amber phosphorus. I'm not so monstrous, the cost is not preposterous. No giant loom of dust, it's a this type of bus for us. The bitches flip their bits when they see my micro switch. The pixels crisp like it's clipping on an 8-bit chip. The handshake I makes the shit, it only takes a second split to do a full round trip. 32 kilobits! I acknowledge you're the first, sir, but that means that you're the worst, sir. Did you suck in a motto so you're going in reverse, sir? Your curse, I flip you up with my cursor. Time to shut down, old man, but pack your hard drives first. You're playing games for children, have respect for all your dads. You're just Atari Stacy while I'm punching out the chads. I beat the German war machine, the free world was preserved. Consider me your server, cause you just got served. <laughs> That's very cute. Yes, cute. <laughs> what every rapper wants to live up to, to be cute. I liked it, it was good. Good. That's nice. So well done. We've a rap about computers. My goodness, we are reaching the pinnacle, the pinnacle of human culture at this point. <laughs> you have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also Greg at smartenough.org. Uh, you can jump onto the website smartenough.org and click on any of the social media links to get to any of the social media places and make a comment on the page and RSS feed, all that sort of stuff. 
good website. Every Friday now, we've been running the uh, Philosophy Friday, where we just have fun conversations about weird stuff, whatever passed through my head that week. Some some serious, some are silly. So come along on Facebook and have a look at that. Even if you even if you hate Facebook, come on anyway. Come on, come on. It's just a bit of fun. What's going on? It's all good. It's fine. Uh, thank you for supporting us. If you really want to support us, share us with your friends. The more people listening, the more fun it is for those people. And thank you to the people who have been on Twitter, have been promoting us off their own back. I just suddenly noticed that SC2KB is being mentioned to, hey, you should listen to these guys. They're amazing. So thank you very much. We always love it when listeners promote us to other listeners without us going, hey, everyone, promote us to other listeners because you like us. Oh. Uh, if you really want to support us, you can uh, give us a little bit of money on Patreon or yeah. drop some money into our tip jar That's through right. PayPal. Some of our patrons have given us $5 and they get their names read out on the podcast. Woo! So those lucky few. So thank you very much to Andrew Trousdale, Andrew Whitehurst, Earth Dog 58 Ilana Mitchell, Elizabeth Yunkin, Gary Heather, Gyroscope, Lindsay Jenkinson, Matt Ewers, Matthew Toy, Michael Barnes, Natalie, Phil Holland, and Steve E. Thank you very much. Hamahamahamakunanuapua, Seikenhout. Are you okay? Have you had a Have you had a stroke? Are you okay? What's going on? Um, I don't know whether I've screwed up or he has. But anyway, <laughs> that's what it said. And he paid for See, the privilege. I don't. Um, maybe that. I don't know what happened there, but our I think content, I am having a stroke. Our content will always be free. We will always have free content for you as well. So don't, yeah. you don't have to pay it, of course. But, you know, why not? Just see how it goes. See how it makes you feel. That would be great. Yeah. But we're not. Also, there are half a dozen people who are paying for our How to Be Humble package, <laughs> uh, which involves me insulting them. Yay. Oh, no. Oh, why do we do this? Okay. Okay. Oh. Hang on, so, hang on, hang on, hang on. Give me a moment. Give me a moment here. I have to. All right. Whew, I just gird my loins here. Okay. Oh my, Al Batson. Al Batson. You know, you know something about Al Batson? Mm-hmm. Cats love him. Cats <laughs> love him. You know who else cats love, Gregoire? Who? Who? Dan Beeston. Witches. Yeah. yeah. Witches. You know what that means? Mm. Al Batson's wearing someone else's cock. <laughs> He's wearing cock pants. Necro pants. Right. That's key is. He skinned a friend and is now wearing his own scrotum for cash. Okay. Oh, this freak. Okay. Billy Smith. Again, no, very little information about <laughs> Billy Smith, but a little bit of information. Hey, Billy Smith. Yeah. You were terrible in the wild, wild west. Oh. And that was a terrible film. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Was he in it? Yeah. He was like one of the stars. Kevin Klein and Bill Smith. <laughs> like, he's a William, right? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. He's, I didn't realise the Fresh Prince was a listener of the podcast. That's excellent. Yeah, well, there you go. Okay. Dustin Fallon. Okay. I'm going to level with you, Dustin. I forgot about doing yours. <laughs> That's how little you mean to me. Like I just, I just completely forgot. <laughs> that's it just a, that's, slipped my mind. That's so rude. That's such a you're yeah. such a rude. Okay. That's such an insult. Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson. Good guy. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay. What? 
Huh? Well, Eric said that we didn't have to abuse him oh, anymore. Oh, okay, fair enough. And I am in, I'm rolling into it this week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ah, Tom Seary. Tom mm. Seary. Thumbs up to Tom Seary. Thumbs up. In fact, we're going to give each other a thumbs up. Oh, my God, Tom Seary. What is wrong with your thumb? Oh, my God. It's like distorted. It's like hyperextended or something. What are you, you talking freak? about? He's got a hyperextended thumb. Oh, you want to know how I know that? Yes, no. So does he. <laughs> it's getting creepy again. Scott Driscoll. Hey, you know what, Scott? I keep running into your wife. <laughs> and she is not sad when it happens. She's pretty pleased whenever I show up. Little gleam in her eye, Scott Driscoll. But he... What the heck is... What the... What? What do we... Oh, no. No... I don't... Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, watch your back, Driscoll. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so uh, much for donating $15 uh, to the podcast, uh, guys. Uh, you guys are great. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. I, I feel so weird now. That's that, You know how dirty that money is? That's seriously dirty money. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a real problem for me. <laughs> All right, feel free to jump onto our Patreon if you really want to support us. But if not, then just share us with your friends because that's always the best yes, gift of all. Are. Yes. We're going to work on a few things over the next couple of months, uh, other sort of Patreon levels and other ideas as well. But cause we only just started doing this last couple of months ago, so we just want to see how it all bettered down. And we don't want to we don't want to milk people. So that's not what we're here for. So we're, 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 we're going to chat about it. We've some ideas from different listeners who have written into us, and we're going to see how it goes and lead up to Christmas. Well, you know how it is. It's also. I'm worried that I'm going to give some people a complex, well, like just abusing them each week. <laughs> That's right. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. And as we always like to say, you've been served. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Also, you're probably a bit feeble from not having a proper diet. That's true. So. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. I, mm, yeah. Mm. There is something very odd about uh, at this time of day. I think the the light behind your computer is at just the light the, the the right spot where I can't really see your pupils. You look like a White Walker. Yay! <laughs> like more animated. Or, or I've just taken a lot of drugs. One or the other. I thought that your your pupils opened up a lot when you had drugs. Oh, okay. Oh, the tiny pupils. Okay, yeah. It's, it's very bright. I, I thought you meant... Yeah, I can't see what you're saying. Yeah, it's quite bright. It is quite bright outside. And I don't deal well with bright light. I'm like a gremlin. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> Let's see. Vampire gremlin. For I was about to say. No an apparent odd, reason. An odd, an odd connection there. I love to count. <laughs> There's a plane going over here. If that's maybe that's what you're hearing. No, I, uh, there's an ice cream man driving past. <laughs> I, all I can hear is green sleeves played at like six times at preferred speed. Did they used to run that song so fast when you were a kid? I think they did. Yeah. Listen to it go. It's like maybe it's not. Maybe BPM. Maybe it's maybe it's just coming towards you close to the speed of light, and you're just getting a Doppler, really good Doppler effect. That's not how it works. Possibly. Uh, well, it would change pitch it as would. well. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily get faster. Yeah, no, that's definitely sped up. I reckon someone did research and they figured out what's the perfect speed of green sleeves to sell to get kids excited about ice cream. 
Because you, you need a lot of research into how to get kids excited about ice cream. There's a big sign on the top of the car that says, Caution Children, and I really want one for the house. <laughs> um, the Indus Valley. Oh, yes, that's right. So we, we ready to go on? Yeah. Okay, yep. So they, they had central... No, let's air- just sit here and stare at each other in silence. I just wasn't too sure if the Greensleeves man had gone yet. That's all. I was trying to... No, he's gone. He's, uh, he's off. He hit a kid. <laughs> I precautioned him. Don't get in my way, kid. I heard a sign. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hear the music coming at you at 105 beats per minute. <laughs> anyway... I've never wanted ice cream more in my life. <laughs> and also drugs. I just, I, I just want some ice. <laughs> ice! Ice cream? Sure! Apparently, yeah. Uh, my 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 sister confided with me. She said, "Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. My uh, my daughter came to me and she goes, Mum, I think I might be a Slytherin.' <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>